Hi, Emerald listeners. Welcome to How It's Reported. I'm your host and podcast desk editor, Jamie Deep. And today I have Alexis Weissend with me, who wrote the most recent cover story for our print edition this summer. Um, Alexis, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, Before we get started, do you want to do a quick introduction of yourself, what you do at the Emerald, anything you want listeners to know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm an incoming junior at the University of Oregon. Uh, I'm a journalism political science major, and um, I've been a news reporter for the Daily Emerald for, I think, four months. And I'm also covering the ASULB, but I do a lot of other stories besides that as well. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's really great. I started last year, I think, and the first time I edited an episode of How It's Reported was also someone who was on the ASUOB. So that's pretty snazzy. Um, Anyways, how have you been this summer? Um, Just like, how's it going for you? Have you taken any classes? I know the first round of classes just ended this past weekend. Um, How was that for you if you were taking classes? I wasn't taking any classes, but I am, besides for being a reporter, I'm a research assistant for one of my political science professors. So I've been balancing both of that and then just like trying to get away from like the scorching heat that's been going on, especially with like being in student housing with no air conditioning, just like <laughs> like everyone else here in Eugene. So yeah. I've been persevering. Yeah. Oh, man, that sounds really rough. Well, <laughs> hopefully things have cooled down for the rest of the summer, but hopes are not high. But, you know, I, I hope that you at least stay cool during this time. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Anyways, let's jump into the story that you, your, the cover story that you did. Um, so this story was really relevant to a lot of UO students and the Eugene community as a whole. Um, for listeners who might have not had the opportunity to read the story yet, could you describe what you reported on in a few sentences? Yeah. So Eugene has been pretty active lately regarding affordable housing projects. And so in my story, I outline three different projects going on in Eugene. Um, That would be the 1059 Willamette, um, also known as the Montgomery, the Nell at 11th and Charnelton, which is such a fun word to say, um, and then Peace Village. And then I also touch about like what UO is doing at the end a little bit towards affordable housing for students. And so all of these projects are kind of happening in the wake of the legislative session just ended for Oregon. So it's happening in the wake of, in the wake of like massive statewide legislation that's basically going to make it more, it's going to make it easier f- and sometimes required for larger cities like Eugene to incorporate more middle housing into their zoning codes. Middle housing is like, like diverse housing options, like duplexes, cottage clusters, stuff like that. Um, and then also it's going to require more affordable housing to be incorporated into non-residential zones And there's also been like a ton of state funding towards affordable housing. I think the housing crisis in general, they've dedicated like over almost 900 million. And more than half of that is going towards affordable housing specifically. So, yeah, that's why I say like it's going to be a new age of affordable housing is because we're going to see a lot more of these projects pop up because it's going to be easier for them to pop up. There's more funding for them to pop up and um, it's going to be required more for cities. 
Awesome. Um, how did you come across this story? Like, how how did you like pitch it, and how did you just find out about it? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's no secret that Oregon is in a housing crisis, and Lane County is no exception to that. Um, sorry, Eugene is no exception to that. Um, but you know, and that's especially been exacerbated by the pandemic. Like, we've been in a housing crisis for a long time, but it's gotten a lot worse recently because. People can't afford to pay their rent, and it's really expensive in Eugene on, on all fronts. And so, I started seeing like a couple affordable housing initiatives pop up in the news, like the local news. Um, and then one that I was really interested in was the 1059 Willamette project. And I actually pitched a story about that two weeks before I pitched this cover story. And just to give a background on why that kind of was a catalyst for things or like why that started intrigued my interest is it's uh, the Eugene city council wants to turn an old Lane community college building into um, partially affordable housing. And so they bought that building that's been sitting empty for like a decade uh, using a grant that requires that over half of the units must be used for affordable housing. Um, And they sold it to a development team that is going to price it at 80% AMI So it's kind of like mixed income. It's still affordable, but it's on the higher end. And so a letter was sent to the Eugene City Council by a bunch of prominent community members and community organizations, um, kind of asking them to reconsider this and saying, like, essentially, we have a larger housing deficit for extremely low incomes um, than we do for mixed income. And so that... This is a publicly owned building. It's being sold to private developers. And this is not how we want um, this space to be used. This is not who we want prioritized. Um, And so I thought that was really interesting because that controversy is something unique in that it's not should we have affordable housing, it's how to have affordable housing. And with this legislation, it's going to be a conversation that I think is going to happen a lot more as more projects pop up. I think this is going to be a conversation that Eugene is going to have, you know, a bunch of municipalities are going to have for a long time. So originally I wanted to just focus on that. And then I started seeing more and more projects and I was like, Eugene is doing a lot right now. And so I wanted to do a story kind of encompassing that. And as I started like researching that story more and and talking to my sources, I started realizing kind of why it was happening and the background of that being all that legislation where it's going to come into effect soon. And eventually cities like Eugene are going to have to have more middle housing and have more affordable housing um, because it's going to be required and encouraged, you know, by these zoning codes. So yeah, I, I basically just wanted to do a story encompassing that. And the more I looked into it, the more it developed into itself. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and you did a really, really great job of covering all of your bases and getting multiple perspectives on everything. And you did a great job of just kind of going over every single project within your story. Um, So it was really interesting to read about. And there was a lot I learned about housing in Eugene uh, from your story. So that was really, really awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And kind of to build off of that, what was your approach to writing this story? Like, what was your process behind it? Like, like writing it or like talking to my sources and, and stuff like that? Um, let's talk about writing. Like, what did, 
what kind of like pre-reporting did you do? Did you like do any research into things? Because there seems like there's a lot mm-hmm. about just like the housing initiatives as well as all of the projects that you had to cover. Yeah. So as far as like kind of developing what the story is, is like originally I kind of had like a different idea of what I wanted to do because like I said, I didn't really know about the housing legislation that happened because I think that the when I was first working on this, the legislative session hadn't ended yet. And so as I was writing this story, we found out about all this and I was like, oh, this is super relevant. And so by talking to my sources also, like the housing community, like the affordable housing community is like kind of like esoteric. Like, I'm not sure if that's the correct word. Like there's a lot to understand about the ins and outs. There's very unique rules and regulations that these people face. And so coming as an outsider and talking to people who are extremely passionate about projects like this, they taught me so much and they explained things to me in a way that an outsider would understand, which is like great for a journalist because that's also what, you know, you have to incorporate to your story is that anyone who picks up that newspaper is going to understand what you're talking about. And so my sources were like, okay, well, have you heard of this? Have you talked to this person? Do you know about this that's happening? And so they really helped me develop where the story was going to go and exactly like what my story ended up um, becoming. And as far as the actual writing process, like I was, <laughs> I, had to, I had like a week. And so I was really busy like working my other job too. So like I had interviews up to like the last day. And so I was writing um, pretty much most of it on the, on the last day. And, um, yeah. And so I wanted to divide that into different parts. Like I'd seen other cover stories do because, you know, when you have a really long story, people, it's, it's tiring to read, you know what I mean? And so, um, I found that like when you divide it into different sections, um, and you, like, I wanted to set it up with background and then go into the nitty gritty of things that it's a lot easier to read and it flows a lot better. So that's what the actual writing process was like. And it also allowed me to focus on individual things at once and then come up with like cool titles, <laughs> like subtitles, which is all I wanted to do, basically. Just do that. Yeah, definitely. I know for myself, just reading your article, you did write it in a way that made it flow super easily. And you did break things down in a way that was really um, accessible to kind of understand what's going on in Eugene. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've talked about your sources a lot and how they've taught you um, a lot of things going on in the affordable mm-hmm. housing community and in Eugene. So how, who were your sources and then how did you kind of find them for the story? Yeah. So I had, I had counselor, a counselor on the Eugene city council and Emily Semple, she was the only one that voted um, not to go forward with the project because she wanted to stop and reconsider things. And um, so I talked to her. I also talked to um, Ibrahim Kulabali. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, he was one of the um, community members that submitted the letter. Um, Haley Frame is a, a student um, I talked to Amanda from Square Round Villages, which is also, pe- uh, they're behind Peace Village. Um, someone else from Square Village, like a lot of people. 
Um, and so at first I started kind of focusing on the 1059 Willamette and then I moved into like easily one of the best people that I talked to was um, Karin Knudsen, who is a UO uh, professor in the College of Design. Um, and she's also the, I think it's founding director of Better Housing Together. Um, and so she was really like my housing expert. Like she was fantastic. We sat down for like 45 minutes. She had a meeting um, and she still made time for me. She sat down with me for like 45 minutes and explained everything to me and answered all of my questions and even gave me her perspective on the 1059 Willamette project. And so she was really a great source to have because I think it was her that maybe understand everything, which is like the best source that you can have as a journalist, you know, working in with something that you're not super familiar with. And so that was, that was really great. And as far as like just finding my sources, um, I just got, I just kind of email blasted every organization that I wanted to talk to. Um, and so that's how I found uh, Karin and then Mr. Uh, Kulabali. I originally, I, his name wasn't on the letter. It was the Eugene Springfield branch of the NAACP. So I reached out to that, um, and then Mr. Kulabali responded, and he was like, okay, I'm not the president of this anymore. I'm now the president of um, the organization Human Rights, Human Stories, but we also signed the letter, so I can talk to you as the president of that. And I was like, yeah, that works, yeah. And so talking to him was really great, too, because I felt like he his his answers really encompassed what the letter was trying to say. And um, kind of broke it down for me into each argument. And that was really good because I felt like it was really representative of the amount of people that signed the letter. Like I felt it was really representative of all those voices. Um, Haley Framer reached out to, it's like really hard to find student perspectives during the pandemic because, well, like obviously you're not in classes and stuff like that. And especially during the summer, I mean, yeah, I'm not even on in online classes. And so what I've been doing is um, I've just turned my Instagram account into like <laughs> like an account for me to reach out to sources. And so I put polls in my story and I'm like, are you a UO student that um, struggles with affordable housing or something like that? And then anyone that clicks yes, I message them and be like, what's your experience? So yeah, my Instagram is like dead at this point, but it's really useful for for finding sources. And so I messaged everyone that said, they answered yes to my question. And I asked them like, hey, I'm writing a story, looking for some student experiences. and kind of asked them what their experiences were. But for um, this story, I wanted to, um, when Haley responded, she was telling me like um, about her job and about how she wasn't, she's limited to 25 hours a week. And so she wasn't expecting um or when she was looking for affordable housing, she wasn't expecting all of that, all of the expenses on top of it, like utilities, groceries, and stuff like that. And it's really not compatible with a, with an on-campus job because I can't remember how much on-campus jobs get paid. It's like 12, 25, 12, 50, and you're limited to 25 hours, 25 hours a week. And her rent is 625, which is um, pretty normal um, for rents around here. 
probably like a pretty good price, honestly, you know, just from my experience looking for housing. Um, and so, you know, if you look at the income of student workers and you look at the housing prices for students around here, like that's not, it's not compatible. And that was something that I hadn't considered before when you're relying on an on-campus income. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting. And so that's actually what led me to talk to um, Dr. Uh, Jimmy Howard, which is he's the dean of student, I'm going to butcher this, like student prevention and response. But he's one of the people in charge of the Students in Crisis Fund, which is kind of like it gives resources to students who are in like dire immediate situations that need help. And so I was telling, I was talking to him about that and he was telling me, yeah, we're working on this emergency housing network. We're also working on you know, we're, we're continually getting more funding for the students in crisis fund. And I was like, I was asking him, and I'm like, do you have any things going on for kind of just like students like Haley who are not in a dire crisis where they need immediate help? They're not going to be homeless, but they're also struggling to pay the rent every month. You know, uh, do you have any resources as you owe? Do you have any resources to help students with that? And it was like such a coincidence because he was like well not really right now but we have two basic needs coordinators through ASUO's upcoming um, basic needs program that's going to happen in fall and those basic needs coordinators are going to basically help students like Haley navigate finding affordable housing amongst other basic needs and uh, ASUO is also putting aside a housing sub subsidy um for students as well to help out with rent. So I think that's something really unique to campus that is is very new. And, you know, it doesn't really have anything to do with the, with the legislation, which is why I put it last. But it was also something really important that I, th I thought I should include at the end because it's, once again, one more initiative that's happening um, with affordable housing that ASU was really spearheading. Um, so I thought that was that was great. So yeah, my, my sources really, like, I didn't know a lot of this stuff beforehand. So talking to them was the most important thing for my story. Um, because every time I talked to a source, that was a new develop development in my story. That was a new aspect. That was something else to write about. Um, so yeah, that was really great. Really informative. Yeah, yeah. And just the way that you put it all together really was just really cohesive and covered the issue really well. Thank you. Um, yeah, for you, you talked a lot about kind of how each source adds a new perspective and everything and how um, the story just kind of like built upon itself just with everything mm -hmm. you continue to learn. Uh, in writing the story, what was your biggest challenge that you had to face or overcome? <sighs> I had a lot, like I'm not even going to lie, I had a lot of challenges. This was my first cover story and... It was difficult. Like something that I think is really unique to student journalism is like this isn't our full time job. Um, you know, we've either got classes or like oftentimes like another job like on the side. And one of the most important things with writing a story, especially in like like a week and a half, is that is time management, especially with this story that I was really relying on the direction of my sources. I didn't quite know that yet, but that's a development that you have to, you know, every time you meet with a source, that's possibly 
going to lead you in a new direction that's possibly going to alter your story. And so, yeah, I was struggling to reach out to people. I was struggling to get responses. I like blasted people the first day. Um, and then I didn't get a lot of responses. And I definitely think that's partially because these projects are so difficult. They take time. Um, they take a lot of work. And so when you're in a story where it's like an ongoing project, usually your story is pretty relevant, you know, um, you have to make room to think, okay, either this person's not going to respond to me or they might not respond to me for at least like a few days, like half a week, you know, and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I think if I could like go back or like for my next cover story, um, I think what I would do is not only reach out to a lot of sources day one, I did reach out to a lot of sources, but really roadmap this thing and reach out to a wide breadth of sources day one. Like, because I, I really needed to take into account that I might not get a lot of responses because people are busy. Um, and so, because I ended up having, because I was, I was doing a lot of stuff at the same time, and as people were responding to me, you know, I had to organize those interviews and I ended up having interviews like on the last day, like the day that my article was due. Um, and so, yeah, it's, and it's, it's difficult, especially as you're trying to write this because it's difficult to write your story and not be finished with interviews because like I said, there's new developments every single time. Um, yeah. And so if I would go back, I would just like reach out to as many sources as I can. Not only that, wide breadth of sources because like usually you're not going to get a response from every single person and even if you did that would be like just more voices in your story which is you know good and so I I would do that if when I do my next cover story yeah and I'm looking forward to reading more cover stories by you in the future <laughs> as well Thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Uh, that's all of the time that we have. And yeah, thanks for agreeing to do this. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, listeners. Once again, you've been listening to How It's Reported. I am Jamie Deep here with Alexis Weissend. And I hope you all take care and have a safe and happy rest of your day. Bye-bye. <laughs>